Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I host the box set pod with my friend Jamie and lots of other people who join us regularly and I've been wanting to do a spin-off box set pod for a while now and I finally got round to it. It's going to be long, dull to some, fascinating to others, mildly interesting to everyone else perhaps. This isn't the regular box set pod, it's something else. So if you're not happy with the long, uh, intricate conversation that I have about creativity with my guest, then stop and listen to the next episode which will be back to business as normal talking about new TV shows. I've been a creative person all my life with varying degrees of success. I've been a theatre director of big productions at a young age, a radio manager, a presenter for about 10 years, managing director of a couple of production companies and radio stations. And I came from the angle of musician, director and then presenter and have experienced both management as a manager and management as someone who is managed. And I think I've got a perspective that's fairly unique in that regard. And it's interested me beyond belief... Think of your favorite. It sounds boring. Think of your favorite movie star, or your favorite musician, or your favorite creative person. They are great, and they've been managed to be great within a business. Some people thrive at that and uh, manage to navigate a course. That course is fascinating to me. Think of someone like Tom Cruise. How completely fascinating the truth of how that guy has managed his career must be, but we'll probably never know the truth about that. Um, And what about everybody else, if you're not Tom Cruise? If you've got kids who want to be actors or dancers or singers, do something creative, what can they expect? Creative people try to get paid for what they do, and when they get paid, often the person who has good business skills employs them for their creativity. The world of business has a long, long history with lots of examples of how well this relationship can go and how badly it can go as well. Even giant companies like Disney can go through decades of producing uh, films that don't really work and then decades of producing phenomenally creative stuff. And it's fascinated me for years, ever since I started directing plays in my garage and trying to charge a ticket price. The relationship between uh, management and creativity, creative management and also artists and the idea of selling your art all that entire thing is such an interesting thing to navigate i think and i think now more than ever it's important to look at these things perhaps help those people who are normal nice creative human beings understand what the balance is between the old ideas of selling out ego protecting a vision uh, yet working as a team. There's so much to discuss and so many facets to it that I cannot begin to explain it all at once. And I've got more questions than answers at the moment, which is probably why I'm doing this. Perhaps I'm doing it because I've been fairly successful in my life and I want to make the world a better place, having seen some great and some awful examples of this subject. Or perhaps I'm looking for the lost holy grail of some guidebook on how to manage creativity. 
hopefully I'll find some answers that might help people who want to get into the business of show, where it's about more than just having passion. To begin with, though, it's just me, lost and confused, and starting in this forest of trying to understand how people approach it and how it works. My first guest has made some of the best TV that we've ever seen as director of photography of The West Wing, and he joined me from Los Angeles using FaceTime, and our FaceTime recorder will never be used again, because after a while, it started to record our two voices separately and out of sync, meaning that I have had to cut loads of great stuff later on due to it being awful, but some stuff has remained. It's it's complicated, but it wasn't consistently bad. It just did it every so often. So creative tip number one in the guidebook that I will create, use Skype rather than FaceTime if doing an interview 5,000 miles away. So please excuse the quality of the call, which again wasn't as good as Skype. Uh, but I hope you'll enjoy what we talk about and uh, how I actually stumbled across my guest called Michael Mayers. Mike, the reason I emailed you, the reason we're talking is that I had a, uh, a moment late at night. I was watching West Wing and there was just this great, shot that uh, I thought captured the size of the Oval Office. It was shot from kind of the ground. Um, the whole composition of the picture just, ju it was just uh, probably amounted to about four seconds worth of a shot. And I just thought, oh, that's great. I would, I trained as a director years ago and, and it's not often that I'm just impressed by the detail. And I know West Wing is a very good show in general and the detail's good, but I immediately thought... That's really good, and now I'm going to email the person who, or find them on Twitter. I eventually tracked you down, director of photography for that episode. Can you take credit for the shot that I'm talking about? Well, yes, yes, and no. I mean, the you know the uh, a, a movie set or a TV set is a huge collaboration, and that's really that's really the fun of it. So you know, I, part of what I take, what I will take credit for, is you know uh, helping that collaboration along. So, you know, in the case of that shot, it's it's likely that the director and the camera operator um, were noodling around by the camera and found that frame and decided, oh, that's good. Or yeah. it may have just been it may have just been the camera operator or it may have just been the director or it may have been me coming over and say, boom, down. Let's see what that looks like lower. Um, it just seemed like such a I just, do you know the shot that yes, I'm talking yeah, I'm pretty about? Sure, I do. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like it—it it stood out because it seemed to be at a much greater distance from the other shots and and much lower down, and it was quite—it's quite unusual. It's quite an unusual shot. The shots, yeah. whilst excellent, seem fairly standard normally, but that one just seemed very filmic, and, <laughs> and the characters looked yeah. like they were drowning. Which well, that's is what really the situation that's really the sort of required as well. To try to figure out how to tell the story using pictures rather than words. <clears throat> Because no, go go ahead. And how much is that affected by? Sorry, carry on, carry on. I was just going to say how how possible is that? I know um, the few times that I've uh, done things in collaboration, particularly if time is of the essence and money matters. Um, yeah, yeah. There is a feeling if you suggest yeah. something. Well, that's, that's always a possibility. But the you know, of, thing is that I keep, I keep swinging away. Comes in your and, uh, sometimes I hit him, and that's 
and that's you know that's very satisfying. And also the you know when you get a group of people that's as good as that crew and that cast is in a, in a room together, um, <clears throat> you um, good ideas are you know oftentimes like if I have an idea, it's it's possible that it'll be the fastest thing. Like I'm actually mm. fairly fast at what I do, um, and so. A lot of times I'll, you know, I can walk over and say, Hey, how about this? And everybody will go, Oh yeah, yeah. Great idea. Let's do that. Cause they can see that not only is it good storytelling, but it's quick. Um, there seemed to be something about that series as well. That, um, people say this a lot. I, like I'm, I'm wary of being another person that just, uh, pours, pours sunshine towards, uh, West Wing's ass. But, the West Wing do, really does seem to me. I mean, I've watched it probably four times round now, and every time I see something new, and uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to say, you know, this was a special thing. Um, oh yeah, very even much. In so. those later I mean, I had, I had been a West Wing fan. I was, was it, actually did it feel special the way when I you were got doing to work it? with them. Is I was living in Washington D.C., which is a you know a great capital of documentary work. And I had been working a lot for Discovery and National Geographic and people like that. Sure. Um, and they came to town and they needed somebody, you know, with dramatic experience. And I had done a lot of indie films. Um, and so, and I had worked with John Spencer. Uh, That's uh, Aaron Sorkin's on the phone. Uh, yeah, not, not, <laughs> not likely. <laughs> um, the... Uh, um, so, and I'd worked with John Spencer and, uh, somehow, you know, they said my name to John and he said, Oh yeah, sure. He's good. Um, and he's a wonderful, you know, he's a one, just, he's, you know, sadly departed, but just a fabulous actor. Um, and a good all around good guy was. Yeah. What and, was he, uh, what was John Spencer like as a, a human being? What, what would you find him doing if you turned well, up on set? Would one of my, sat yeah, with his feet actually, one of my favorite it, things about John Spencer is that if you watch him, every time he walks into the Oval Office, he would button his jacket. Every <laughs> single time. He just, You're right. You know, he, he had made a decision that, um, and that's the kind of actor that he was. He was a, you know, a real craftsman. So, you know, like he realized that the way to say respect is every time he walks in, um, he would button his button and actually that, that yeah, <laughs> the commitment, the yeah. commitment to stick, you know, to make that exactly. decision and then stick with it for seven yeah. series is quite, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then the other, the thing that's so great about, you know, about that world is that then in the camp David, um, episode, which is whatever that was, he undoes the jacket. Yeah. The button pops off. And we did a long kind of homage to the button with it falling in the mud and, um, you know, looking for the button and the whole uh, kind of a whole thing. And that was the, uh, the the producing director at that point was Alex Graves, who's a very talented guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he said, look, we have to do this. And, you know, immediately all of us kind of, you know, were dumbstruck and said, oh, yes, of course, that's fabulous. And so all of a sudden we we're making a music video about a button. Oh, uh, um, were you yeah. DOP of that one? Yes. Yes, I was. Yeah. Oh, well, Mike, I'm getting <laughs> on my knees to you. What, what work? That's amazing. What brilliant work. Um, at that point, Aaron was not writing at that point. So who was some other writers, um, <clears throat> who would pretty good at handling that mocking Aaron's tone. 
uh, and then Alex Grave, this fabulous director, um, who's who's gone on to do some Game of Thrones, I believe, also. Yeah, and he was in it right from the start, wasn't he? Yes, directed I think a so, lot. Yeah. I read Buzz Aldrin's book. It's um, <laughs> basically yeah. the gist is when you've been to the moon, you get pretty miserable once you get back because there's nothing else to do in life. Did I peak already? Was that it? Yeah. And it's possible. But one thing that, uh, you know, that's like what I was saying earlier about collaboration is that I have pretty much, I have a lot of the same crew around me, even though right now the show I've been doing is, a, you know, is a police procedural um, yeah, which is, you know, somewhat straight ahead, but I have all my favorite guys with me and that makes it for a very satisfying collaboration, which is really the, well, the fun of what this job is. So I, uh, went through an existential, or I suppose I'm going through an existential funk at the moment. Did I achieve uh, the things that I wanted to achieve? The, the dream was fulfilled. And then I started writing a TV pilot with a really creative friend who I hadn't spoken to for about 10 years just because we got busy and the same feeling happened that you're describing and you realize that collaboration is everything working working in an environment where you really are comfortable the the only thing that exists is trying right, to impress yeah. each other uh, you don't feel like the gun is sort of pointed at yeah. your head it's more of a kind of I am going to yeah. impress that guy and then he's going to try and outdo me yeah, I mean, that's that's really, I feel like, you know, kind of a big part of what I do is when I look for work, I'm looking for work for like, you know, 20 of us um, who, yeah. you know, myself and my whole camera department and all the grips and electricians. And, uh, and you know, they're all, they've all been with me a long time. And, so, you know, whenever we can get together, we do. The, have, the other great, have you refused work um, for, because of that? One, one time I was in, sitting in an interview for an ABC family series. Mm. Um, so it's a fairly soft, you know, kind of kids, kids series. Mm. And uh, they said, man, we really love that rich look that you did on the West Wing. And I said, okay, um, you know, I can do that again if you, you know, if you want something that has that feel to it. And I said, um, uh, let's talk about crew. And they, and I said, um, you, what about riggers, rigging crew? And they said, oh, we, we don't have a rigging crew. We never use a rigging crew. Um, and I said, well, then I'm, I'm not your guy because that rich look is all about the riggers. You know, mm -hmm. like um, you can't, you can't walk in and turn the camera on, uh, on an empty stage like that you have to you have to you know there's there's multiple days ahead of time of hanging huge lights through the windows and all the mm. things that we do um and they and presume it's a filter afterwards uh, a yeah digital. right exactly yeah it's not a filter it's not a digital trick it's uh it's just it's just you know hard work by a lot of people um, and what did they say and um they said well okay and so that was that <laughs> See yeah. <you> later. <laughs> and it was fine. Yeah, I, I went on to do something that was more fun anyway, so it's okay. I mean, I've been lucky um, with other other shows, um, mostly un, unheard of, unnotable. Uh, but I oftentimes I get to do the pilot, and then I try to stick with the series. So mm. the same way that my predecessor on The West Wing did, Tom Del Ruth. You know, he, mm. he did the pilot, and then he stuck it out for many years. Mm. Um, Let's just talk about that about the many years for a moment, because I'm unhappy with the narrative that exists that is that when aaron left the west wing things went downhill there seems to be this cool people tend to say 
Yeah, it was good until, you know, Aaron left. Some of my favourite things that happen in the West Wing, yeah. the last couple of series, the way that the, that sort of silvery look of the last series comes about, I, I love it. It's really first class, uh, and I don't really understand. I, th- I feel like there's a there's something perhaps sentimental about people looking back and they're confusing their relationship with the story because you as a viewer love those days when it's just the gang together in the White House and and all the worlds to play for. And then, of course, things change and you can't, you can't sustain that. They have to get re-elected and then there has to be a new incumbent. And uh, I think that they confuse the real world disappointing them. Uh, with uh, the, the show being disappointing, you know? yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Usually, you know, the way that the way that I wind up talking about the West Wing is exactly like this: somebody makes it all the way through. Some, you know, some high school friend of mine or whatever will make it all the way through, see my name, and then you know, ring me up. <laughs> um, and I always resp- I always respond well because I think it's such a it's it's such a great compliment that when people manage to get all the way through the series, I just think there's a maturity and there's a there's an, uh, there is more. Aaron's voice is brilliant, yeah. but it's very obvious through all the characters yeah. in the earlier series. I think in the later series, I really get much more of a sense of individualism with the with the different characters and the writers. So, well, let's talk about creativity. Uh, starting with John Wells, what makes a good boss for you? What what is good about John Wells? There's a meeting before every episode the director and the producer and the writers. And if I'm lucky, me and uh, the script supervisor and the assistant director all sit down um, and have what's called a tone meeting mm-hmm. where you basically sit there and go, you know, line by line through the script or scene by scene and, uh, you know, discuss what the, what the goal is from every moment. And I've been in, you know, dozens and dozens of tone meetings uh, with a lot of great people, but with John Wells, He's, you know, he's classic. He walks into the room and you go, oh, the smart guy just showed up. <laughs> and you just kind of know that, you know, he has such an instinct for how to tell a story and how to, you know, keep the, keep the thing on the rails yeah. um, while also giving you creative freedom. And how does that manifest itself? Well, it would be, you know, you would, you would say in the meeting, um, the director might say, well, I'm going to approach this scene like this. And John Wells would just say, okay, that's fantastic. Just go, go, go for it. Go at it hard. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so rare. (laughs) The number of times that I've heard, you know, the first reaction to an idea is the committee critiquing the idea and pulling it apart so that you create a camel. It's a little bit like casting is that, you know, once you cast Martin Sheen, you've kind of done your work, you know, Mm. Martin, he's a, he's a machine. He's, he does, he does what he's going to do. Um, and and it's brilliant. And that's the same with a good, with, you know, with a good director, you don't, you don't want to say to, you know, you wouldn't want to say to Martin Sheen, you know, don't put your coat on that funny way. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, that's just you know, it's just who he is. I want to talk about generations in creativity now. I have this fear that the younger generation, because of demand and supply, um, are less bold. That the the younger guys and girls who break through can be the biggest egomaniacs, and the reason that they break through is because they are 
insane enough or stubborn enough to go, yeah, you don't tell me what to do, I'm doing it like this. Whereas those guys seem, seem to, you can tell me whether this is the case on the set, but I'm imagining when I used to work with older actors, they um, had their craft worked out. It goes both ways. I, I actually, I often make the comparison you just made, but I make it between uh, English actors who have stage experience and Americans who've just done done movies or TV. Uh, it's that that the stage, you know, when you have that stage background, you kind of know you 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 learn how to prepare in a way that is um, more, uh, you know, that has more technique to it. Um, mm. um, so you can guess. You know, so you know where those levers are that you have to pull to get a certain thing to happen in your performance. Um, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, 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 okay, I've learned something about life now. <laughs> you just made me more optimistic, which is that it's not that I'm noticing the world changing for the worst. It's that actually because I trained in theatre, because my world was theatre, and then I came to the business of entertainment. I was immediately surprised at how few creative people what i would describe as creative people in the sense of they you know they were doing it for the craft first rather than people who'd learned the business first actually i did a day where i worked on glee for a day ah. um a while ago which was kind of fun yeah and i i walked in they, you know they do they have a big theater set that they built they built basically built a gigantic high school theater and i walked in and i turned to the lighting guys and i said hey i have an idea let's try this and this and this and this and this and they turned to me and looked at me and they all laughed. And I said, that's so funny. And they said, you're the first person who's walked in here who actually knows the names of all name of all those pieces of equipment. <laughs> and it was all that's just, you know, it was just, you know, it was a fly system that I like I grew up using. And, you know, <laughs> all the same lights that I grew up using. Park hands. Yeah, exactly. In their, <laughs> in their theater, in their theater incarnation. Although, interestingly, I've used a lot of park hands now. Do you? Um, yeah, even though others uh, shoe them or people oftentimes like to, to do sunlight through a window, the, you know, you can do it with one giant light, mm. uh, like a 20K. Uh, but a lot of times I'll do it with, you know, a dozen park hands. So it's why um, I just I like the I like the uh, being able to make kind of the church window pattern that they that the multiple sources mm -hmm. will make. Um, and, yeah. I agree, and I, and I know instantly that you did that on the West Wing because I, I recognize that. Yeah, in some places I may have done that, but in, in you know, the weather, because I I was inheriting somebody else's look, a lot of the, a lot of what was done like through, through the windows in the Oval Office, those are ten Ks. Oh, okay, um, and no, that's, I'm wrong. You know, it's, well, they've no, still got a good effect, but not yeah, as good yeah. as the park hands. Yeah, but there are other. You know, the, the nice thing about that set. You know, that set was so awesome that you, um, it was very hard to have a bad shot in there because everything, you know, everywhere you look, there was something amazing to see. Well, there are a lot of celebrity set tours. Yes. But my favorite one was Al Gore, who I could just see the hairs on the back of his neck stand up. He was just like, oh, my God. And he sat down at the desk and he was like, wow, fun. Oh, poor I, old Al. That's the only time he's got to sit at that desk. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was great. And in fact, the uh, Saturday Night Live sketch, sketch, sketch that he did where he gives his wife a big, long kiss in the Oval Office. Yeah. I, I shot that, which was a lot of fun. Hey. Yeah. I just. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So they came out Saturday Night Live, came out to L.A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, you know, they're all pals. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the producers. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. 
when have you seen creativity badly managed? Kind of the, the saddest thing in TV right now is that there are, you know, good shows that don't go beyond one season because they're not, you know, they're not making enough money or they don't, they're not doing the ratings numbers and the networks yeah. don't give them time to find an audience. Um, yeah. And I've worked on a few shows like that and it's just sad. You feel like, um, you know, we're doing something great here um, and nothing, nothing comes of it. Yeah. You that's, look at, it's just very frustrating. There's a series like Mad Men and you think, how did that ever get past the first series? And that's one that I, I feel very personal about because I grew up in New York and my father was an advertising executive. So no way. I, yeah. So I got, I saw a lot of that firsthand as, wow. as a kid. Yeah. Wow. What was that like watching that back? Were you like, Oh, the shits. I knew well, they were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, not so much. My, my dad was a, was a real, you know, good, good scout. Um, yeah. no, no misbehaving. Um, and, uh, although he didn't manage to marry my mother who was an actress and, you know, so he, he pulled that off pretty well. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Broadway, yeah. Broadway meets Madison Avenue. Yeah. But accurate, you think pretty good, pretty accurate. Scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. From what I could tell, you know, but it was great to see it because I, you know, I never, I didn't, you know, occasionally I got to see it as a kid, but to be able to relive it a little bit through the eyes of Mad Men was really fantastic. Is there a mistake that business makes um, more now than, than before? You're a, a bit older than me, I think, but um, is there a common mistake um, made by business well, when it applies itself yeah, to management? The, the most common thing that I'm aware of is, you know, kind of the network notes or studio notes where you get a bunch of, you know, the business people sitting around a table kind of going, oh, what about this? What about that? And, you know, it's very easy to do that. But, you know, if you have a producer with a vision and a writer with a vision and a director with a vision, <clears throat> um, probably the best bet is going to be to let them run and don't mm. try to pull on the reins um, and turn the horses for no good reason. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get a note down from somebody who, you know, doesn't have the, you know, experience or the background or the, or the Context. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh God, I've seen you that know. so many times. I mean, something that was said, uh, I, w I would constantly say that in the last few years of uh, my radio career with a friend of mine, we were in a double act and we we were a bit more creative probably than the norm. And I tried to articulate exactly that, that kind of if you, if you allow us to, to do this thing, then it will pay dividend. Um, yeah. For example, I would say, and I'd, I'd say the name of, you know, a big star. So I'd say, you know, for example, Elvis yeah. Duran. And the answer that would come back would be, yeah, but you're not Elvis Duran, you know, there's kind of, <laughs> yeah. is harsh. it's that kind of, yeah. um, again, it cut and it would always come back to me going, if I just ignored all of this, we would, I know that we would be more successful, but I'm too, yeah. I'm too nice to ignore it. I'm better, I'm better getting out. Yeah. I can't, I can't live like that. I've got to work yeah. with a team who are on the same page. Yeah. Or it's just, yeah, exactly. it's too difficult to swim against the tide of that. And it is all well-intentioned people. Um, they're just, uh, you know, I think that there is something that's just very anti-business that is uh, very anti a lot of business that is risk-taking. They see it as a risk to trust somebody with a vision. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. And of course, The Simpsons. Um, the Simpsons is the only TV series that had written into yeah, its contract yeah. that they couldn't get notes from the network. You can't argue with those results. And you think if the network had got involved on series two of of, of The Simpsons because they went, oh, this is a success. And they said, okay, listen, we can get more viewers if Homer is less offensive or we can... Yeah. Uh, that's what they do. They go, how do we offend less people to make it yeah, more yeah. M- middle lane? Um, and then you'd give it, what, two more series, and it would probably be into the ground, I suppose. But I almost imagine that you are still getting to go to work and not necessarily interact with the people who are giving the notes very often. Yeah, usually not. I mean, they almost never have notes directly from me because they don't really know what I do, which is just fine. Um, <laughs> um, Great. But, the uh, you know, the a lot of times, you know, when when – when I, you know, impose the question, what is what does a director of photography do? Um, mm. A lot of a lot of times, what I think of is that I I I just do my best to um, you know guard the director's vision and to mm. uh, you know enable the director. Like a lot of times, <clears throat> you know, like a friend will call me up and go, "I have a script, you know, I want to do a little low budget film," and I'll and I'll read the script and I'll go, "Oh yeah, absolutely, this is awesome." And, you know, I can see this working really well like this and that the, the, um, you know, because I'm not putting in, I'm not investing money. I would just be investing my time. Um, it's easy for me to be a cheerleader. And yeah. a lot of times, you know, that's the thing that a director or a writer needs is, is somebody who, you know, stands on the sideline and cheers. Yeah. And then you kind of go, okay, all right. Yeah. If, if he believes it, then I believe it too. I'm I'm fascinated by the role that you play because um, the way I would explain it to a child, I suppose, is that when you when you're having a great day at the beach on holiday, and the sound and the smell and the sun's warming you, and the sun's starting to go down, and you're there on Hermosa Beach like I was, and I take yeah. a photo, the picture looks crap compared to the. It, it doesn't match the experience. And then, of course, you go through your filters. Uh, finding tricks of photography to get the emotion back to the situation that the lens yeah. has taken out. You know, just like an actor brings a whole set of tools with him, I also bring a whole set of tools with me. And so if you I've, – I've, it's funny. I've had this challenge more with documentary directors than with, with dramatic directors. But I would say, you know, okay, well, what do you – you know – what's the feeling here? What are we trying to, what's the message? Tell me what the message is. What are we trying to get across in this scene? Mm. Um, and if you can give me a good answer to that, then I can photograph it for you. But mm. if you don't know, like if you can't tell me what you're trying to say, then oh, I can just aim a camera at it, but that's not the same as photographing it. That's not the same as making it a thing. Um, do you see the opposite? Do you see, do you watch things I find it very hard to watch anything in a theater and, and enjoy it. Yeah, there are there are times when I when I do that, but I'm also very aware of how hard it is to make even a bad movie. And I've, yeah. I've, I've made some bad movies, and you work really, really hard to do it. It's just <laughs> as it's just as hard as making a good one. Um, yeah. And so I'm I, I'm always trying to be a good audience, no matter what I'm watching, just because I understand, you know, how hard it was that, you know, what the people went through. And the other thing is that you don't know whether it's good or bad until you until you finish it and see how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to, you know, even even when I've been working on things that I didn't, you know, I was like, I don't know about this. Um, you know, all of a sudden, 
you kind of just go, we're like one of my favorite examples of this is, um, I, I shot David O. Russell's first movie, which is called Spanking the Monkey. Oh, I've not seen it. Oh yeah. I've, that's heard, a, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's something, it's not a good, not a good date movie, but it's fun. It's still, it's a good, <laughs> it's fun to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, we, when we were making it, we were like, you know, busy making this serious drama. We thought we're, you know, working really hard to make things seem, you know, really together and really serious. And then we were at Sundance and in the first, you know, one of the first couple of Sundance screenings, you know, I'm, I'm you know, hovering in the back of the audience uh, watching and all of a sudden they're laughing all the way through it. I'm like, oh, my God, we made a comedy. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> that must be so weird. That's, yeah. That must be a satisfaction of TV over film, though, like the length of time that it takes to see the result. And and if you sit there, yeah. I mean, that's a good result. But if you sit there yeah. and go, oh, this is shit, yeah. I've put so much time into yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and also, you know, to me, the satisfaction is really the, the making of the shooting of it. You know, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Being yeah. on set. And so with movies, you can only, you know, you can do a few movies a year and you spend a lot of time looking for work. And with TV, you know, you can have one negotiation and then that's, you know, that'll be six months of work. Yeah. And that's, so that's pretty good. Yeah. The show that I'm doing right now, which is called Murder in the First, which is produced by Steven Bochco, mm -hmm. um, is also, you know, it's a police procedural, but, you know, it's what I grew up watching. And so it's very satisfying to, uh, to do one. And also nice. just to, just to sit in the room with Stephen Boschko is pretty cool because I think a lot of what I know about TV I learned from watching his work when I was younger. I um, need to figure out how we can get Murder yeah, First yeah. over here. So I didn't even get a chance to say thank you to Mike on the podcast. I did off air, uh, but the recording, as I mentioned, messed up so much. So don't use FaceTime recorder. That's my advice. Um, thank you very much to Mike things we've learned find a team of people stick with them which probably means I should get Jamie back on this podcast next week Justin Lee Collins talks about his career making high budget silly TV shows join us for that that's not next week it'll be next time I do this which might be a couple of weeks so back to when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM the pox set pod for now thanks for listening